This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of cooperators. Sadly, we've already lost a couple of members of the cooperators family in 2022. District Manager Joe Girardi passed away suddenly in January, and in early March, we lost retired DM Harry Bryan. I know a lot of people listening knew both Joe and Harry, and I think it's fair to describe them both as somewhat larger than life. We're going to miss them. You are listening to the Advisor Network Podcast, where your fellow advisors share tips, stories, and lessons learned. There are some quality advisors at retail banks that are not happy Partly because of the culture, partly because of the situation that's available. That's Mitchell Miranda, an A1T in Ottawa, Ontario. He started in March 2021. Mitchell came to us from the Bank of Nova Scotia and provides interesting insights into what he found attractive about a career with cooperators. So if you are currently looking for a wealth associate, listen very carefully to what Mitchell has to say. So Mitchell, how did you find yourself as an A1T with cooperators? That was not a short process, to be honest, on that one. At the time, I think I was at about eight years with Scotiabank, and I had been talking with my advisor at the cooperators, which was Jason Wilson out in Orleans. And he had made mention saying, oh, you know what, we are expanding. We are looking for different positions all over. So he's like, you should you should come out and and have a chat. So I did chat. And at the time I said, you know what, things are going pretty well at Scotiabank. Um, I'm not ready for a move at this point in time. Fast forward a couple of years and they had the uh, franchise expo over at the EY Center here in Ottawa. And I said, you know what, I'll go for a walk. And uh, I was actually looking for potential clients. And lo and behold, I saw the cooperators booth. The role I was in at Scotiabank was good, but it was not a destination role. It was definitely not the final product. And the more, you know, you, you talk to different areas and the more I'd spoken to different areas, the model around cooperators seemed to be more of a fit with what I was looking for personally. I'm an analytical person by background, so I kind of, you know, looked at the numbers, looked at what it would be like to put myself in those shoes of a cooperator's advisor. The senior manager at the time was was Joe Girardi, and he kind of stressed saying, you know what, it's not just me looking for someone, you have to be a fit here too. If you're not happy being here, then it doesn't work for either of us. So I want you to be sure, which you don't hear a lot from prospective uh, employers, especially like with the investors groups and out there where you kind of feel there is that churn where they want to use you to gain that book and then move you along, whereas... The cooperators had a bit more of that family feel of, we want to incorporate you into the team. We want you to be part of us. So Mitchell, while culture was important, it wasn't just about culture. When you talk about financial industry, there are some areas which are a bit um, cutthroat, which are looking for that best of the best above all. We don't care what your personality is. If you can sell, you can sell. Whereas cooperators seem to be well-rounded in that aspect of, you know, we want to give back to the community. We want to take care of our employees. We want to take care of our clients as well. So the culture I learned about after the fact, and it, it was something that did attract me as well, but primarily it was 
cooperators starting to step into that investment role, whereas predominantly and still till today, you'd find most clients think of it as the home auto place. A bit of my background to touch into why I felt the cooperators was good was I was working a role which was going into estate administration. In that role, you'd kind of come in too late to financial plans. You'd be talking to the beneficiaries, you'd be talking to the executors, and you'd be looking at people's finances, which were a bit of a mess. They were all over the place. And you kind of look at it and say, well, if they had an insurance policy and tidied up everything, it would be just a clean administration. And then I kind of say, well, no one was probably there to give them that advice. No one was there to tell them about that. So the life insurance portion was a big part of it. And and the cooperator's ability to do the life and the investments was was a big attraction there. So a lot of times when we are looking for wealth associates, Mitchell, we, we do look at people who maybe are already in the industry working at a bank, for instance. So what what are some other thoughts you may have around why the cooperators would be appealing to those folks? Um, with the financial industry in general, I won't just pick on the banks. It is always in motion, I'll say. There is always change around the corner. I find sometimes with the retail banks that they try to change so rapidly, they'll get there with or without you as an employee. It it is the direction of the shareholders. You know, if you're on board, great. If you're not, not so great. And and that is, again, my opinion, but, but a bit of the general sense of where the banks are going. So should we be talking more about that unique culture when we are doing our recruiting, Mitchell? Uh, In my opinion, yes. Uh, Knowing the retail banks and the direction they're going in, and and I still have some contacts there who I chat with, it is rapidly evolving. And there are some quality advisors at retail banks that are not happy Partly because of the culture, partly because of the situation that's available. Retail banks still require financial advisors to be present in an office, even though we were in the middle of a pandemic because they didn't have the technology to have a Teams meeting like we're having right now. So if we were to introduce that as part of the culture of, yes, we are flexible, you can meet clients on their time. You can meet clients on your time. We will encompass you into the cooperator's world. You are part of the team. Your family's part of the team. That would go a long way, um, again, I say towards the retail banks of reaching uh, out to those quality advisors and kind of triggering saying, you know what, I am worth more than just what I bring to the table at work. I do have my family. And if I have a company that respects that, that can take that into account, I, maybe I do want to work there instead of what I'm doing right now. So I, I would say a, a resounding yes to that question. Was there a moment, Mitchell, when you said, yeah, I've, I think I've made the right decision here? To be honest, there was quite a nice touch when I joined the cooperators where the, the district manager at the time said, you know, what's your wife name? What's your children's name? We want to introduce all of you to the cooperators community. And the email went out to all the other agents saying, you know, welcoming Mitchell, Zahira, Amir and Noor as part of the cooperators family. And, and you know, 10, 11 years with uh, the banking world, I don't think anyone asked me my spouse's or my children's name. 
but it, it was a different feel to it already just from the get-go. It's nice to have that affirmation after you start to say, yeah, they do want to know who your family is. We value you as a person and you as your family being part of the team, um, which again is a change from uh, we're going forward with or without you. So not only are you starting a new job during a pandemic, but you're also taking over an existing office. Tell me about that experience. When I was interviewing, they actually had a different office in mind for me. Uh, and I kind of said, well, you know, I have a preference. I'm, I'm now over at the Riverside and Hunt Club one. And they had warned me. They said, well, you know, there was one staff member in the office in the peak of, pande- of the pandemic. And this is an office that can support five or six employees. So they had one person doing everything. So she was overloaded. They had mentioned, you know what, we've got two new trainees who are fresh into the industry, haven't worked in the industry before. So it's going to be your task to kind of guide them through that. They did bring on uh, an associate on there as well, who had been with the cooperators left and came back. And and they said, you'll have him. He's good. You can work with him. But there were different challenges from every direction. You know, they were kind of saying the client base is traditionally Mandarin or Cantonese in that area and you're not exactly Mandarin or Cantonese are you sure you want this my associate does speak Cantonese so we we managed to uh, immerse him into those areas of need I'm not unfamiliar to taking over a book uh, as that was the case with Scotiabank is if you're in the retail channels you're being moved from one area to another and you do end up assuming a book so it is important to call out to your clients establish yourself as the new advisor the nice thing with the cooperators here is you can make that call and say I'm here to stay I'm not going anywhere until I retire which is not going to be anytime soon most likely, my, I tell my clients, you're going to retire before I do, but I'll still be managing it through retirement. Um, so so assuming the book was was not um, the big challenge for me. The big challenge was kind of getting this agency from infancy and getting it into a well-oiled machine and, and working towards region builders as, as the initial target. So a really successful 2021, Mitchell. As you look ahead to 2022, what what is it that you want to accomplish in this year? In the course of um, my last year in getting region builders, we at our peak, we were six uh, employees in the office. Um, by the time we wound down to December, we were down to three. So we did lose three agents um, that were covering some of our base functions, which are some of the more important functions, I'd say our home auto, our, our, I, I'll call it the backbone of um, any agency. So the big focus for 2022 has been uh, firstly establishing that team and how we can get that chemistry to work together. And I think, again, it, it, it's like if you're building a pyramid, you need to have a strong base before you can get any higher because if you don't then everything's just going to topple over so that that's been the the primary thing i'll say in the first three months of the year right now is is building that base getting our employees trained taking care of our current clients you know managing the incoming before we start to look at the um, outbound and the prospecting there for new clients there's an awful lot of advisors out there who are frustrated with trying to find staff, recruiting, uh, and retaining staff, to be honest. 
What has your approach been? Naturally, being a team of six going down to three, you do hit that point of desperation at some point, saying, you know what, we really need to get someone in here to be functional. Um, There has been some luck involved there because it's been a strange market for recruitment. We did have a posting towards the end of last year around November, and we had one applicant at the time. So it's slim pickings. It's a, it, when you have one applicant in a posting, it's a take it or leave it. And before the posting was pulled down or before it expired, so I'm pretty sure it was two hours before it pulled down, we had someone else apply. So I had two interviews. So I said, okay, the nice thing here when you have two is you have a benchmark. You interview the first one and you kind of say, okay, is the second person better or worse? And the agent that had applied two hours before closing just happened to be a unicorn because he was a fit culturally. He was willing to learn. It it was my, my biggest concern there was I said, he's so perfect for the role that we have why hasn't anyone else taken him was my concern. I said, is there something I don't know? Is there a criminal record? Is there something? Yeah, but everything came back clear. So so there is that factor of luck that I have to say came into play there. Um, our, our second hire for the year was a former co-op uh, employee that had previously left, partly because of COVID, partly because... Um, she, she was unsure in her future, but again, we, we had a, t- a chat. I kind of outlined and said, this is how I operate. This is my intention. This is what I want to see. If like we are planning for success, we are you know, having these designs to hit region builders again, to be successful. And I need good people like you on board. And she was happy to come back on board. So we were really happy with that. It, it helps on the training side that she kind of remembered what she did when she was here before. But I again, I, I understand the frustration from other advisors in finding the right people. It's it's not always easy. You do need that luck sometimes, um, and you can only work with what's put in front of you. To be honest, we'll go back to the pandemic. Unfortunately, we may be talking about this for the next decade to two decades on the effect that it's had of on the labor market too, and the great resignation going on because everyone's having a think and saying, no, I want a change of career because the pandemic's thrown a light on it. So I understand the frustrations, but if I were to serve as an example, you can still find those quality applicants out there. So it, it it's different from when you're in my situation where there's three of you and you're a bit desperate and get lucky and get someone. But now we've evolved to that stage, which we can be picky. We can be strategic and say, you know what, there's five of us right now. We have a great chemistry. We are working really well together. I might not take on the sixth person just yet if they're not a fit with the rest of the team. They may have the, and we did have a posting, we did have some interviews to take someone new on. And I said, they're great candidates, but they're not necessarily a fit with my team. I think they'd be great with the cooperators. And I've been happy to share that with other um, agents in the area who have been looking and saying, you know what, I interviewed this person. They're fantastic. They have a great track record. Um, They present themselves well. They're just not quite a fit for me, but I think they should be a cooperator as employee. So I'm, I'm, again, happy to share that with other advisors if they're looking for it. So you found them. Now the big question is, how do you keep them? So again, keeping in with the culture of cooperators, I do want to make sure that my team is heard. Um, 
we we have our weekly calls, the WIGs, which stands for Wildly Important Goals. Um, as well, I have a bi-weekly call individually with each of my employees. And I, I section that out to say, you know what, this is your half hour every two weeks to tell me anything you want, whether it's work-related, whether it's home-related, if you found that you weren't working your best or in the future you know you won't be working your best because something at home has affected that, let me know. Because when you look at it from a business perspective, sometimes you see numbers on a piece of paper say, oh, you know, so-and-so was not doing well this week and you can see their numbers have dipped and then you talk and find out, oh, yeah, my dog died, which I've had for seven years or so on. And it can affect people. So there are different factors. So I like to schedule those meetings every two weeks to say, you know what, this is your time. If you have any issues with someone else in the office, let me know ahead of time so I can resolve it here. I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be happy to come into work. I want you to be able to focus on, uh, on your work. And then to add to it is to know where do you want to be in this organization? Sure, maybe you're starting with home and auto. What's your plan from there? Do you want to step into commercial? Do you want to step into investments long term? We like having you here. We want to make sure you're happy. So as long as we know that there's a path we can lead you to, here are some courses you can do along the way. To add to that, I am a big fan or promoter of employee recognition. After hitting Region Builders last year, I took the team out for axe throwing and team building events. I said, you know what? It was a tough year. It was a grind towards the end. We were losing people. We were having so many incoming calls and we still managed to get to region builders. Let's take this time to celebrate. Let's take, you know, the the Friday afternoon after work to go out together, um, throw some axes in frustration or celebration, whatever you call it. But just to say, you know, when we win, we want to win as a team. There's probably some advisors out there who would be a little nervous about taking their staff axe throwing. So uh, uh, kudos to you, Mitchell. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. Anything else that uh, that you'd like to add? I know I've talked a lot about team and I've talked a lot about um, the, the culture of cooperators, but uh, I'll take a few seconds to talk about the product of cooperators as well, which was another factor on me moving over is looking at the offerings from a, an investment standpoint. And this may reinforce, you know, bringing over advisors from other uh, companies is that if you're with a, a TD, RBC, Scotiabank, you'd be working with the funds that that bank offers and exclusively you'll be offering a Scotiabank mutual fund a TD mutual fund whereas with cooperators you have the bouquet to offer them you've got the eight well nine nine now different um, uh, mutual fund companies that you can work with across and it gives that better offering for your client it does give them more of an advantage as a client to have the best of the different areas as opposed to being pigeonholed into one specific stream. So um, I haven't spoken on product, but I will say that was definitely in the factors of moving over as well. Uh, I'm hoping that as we go through the next few years of region builders and executive builders, we do have those agents coming forth and talking about the experience saying, you know what, I did grow my investment book. I have built it and it worked because we had these products on offer, which our clients had never seen before. So again, it, it might be a bit more of, a, of us talking more about it 
then keeping it as the best kept secret of it, it's one of our best offerings, but we just don't talk about it. You've been listening to Advisor Network Podcast number 28 with Mitchell Miranda. A reminder, if you subscribe to this podcast on your phone, new episodes will automatically download so you can listen at a time convenient to you. We'd love to hear your feedback on this podcast, also your story ideas, or give us the name of an advisor you'd like to hear from. Or let me know if you just need help to subscribe. Send me an email at brad underscore scott at cooperators.ca. We've got a subway right next door. So in the middle of the day, you will smell the cheesesteak. And then on the other side of us, we've got uh, uh, an animal hospital. So you will hear the dogs yelping in the middle of a meeting and the x-ray machines going off. So uh, I have the conspiracy theory saying that the cheesesteak smell wafts over to the animal hospital, sending the dogs into a frenzy. (laughs) 